Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Good. Well, hopefully you have your Bibles and you have uh, them open to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I'm going to read this uh, in the ESV, and then I'm going to read it in the, the TPT, or the Passion Translation. I know I kind of make fun of that a little, a little bit, but I do really respect it. Um, it's not the best Bible to read to do a word study in, uh, because the person translating it took some liberties there to do some of his own translation. He just worked that in the translation, but I, I pick on it a little bit. But it, it's, man, it, it's, a, it's a really a great translation in a whole lot of ways. So I'm going to read that. I forgot to bring it here. See, I need, I need an assistant, all right? So I'm going to read it off the screen if they have it. I'm going to trust a lot here. But here I have it in the ESV. Oh, thank you. You turned right to it? What, what verse is it here again? Oh, there it is. All right. So here, here it is in the ESV. And, um, man, let's, was that Tyler? That's the first nice thing he's ever done for me. I, I, uh, man, I am really, really blessed by that. So can we hear it for Tyler? Just so, uh, uh, yes. Yes. All right. So Proverbs chapter 29, starting with verse 18 and ending with verse 18, it says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Man, there's a lot in that passage. That was in ESV. Here it is in the, the Passion. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Come on, guys. So I want to talk about this this morning. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. What does that mean? I want to bring out a few things here. First of all, I want to talk about prophetic vision. I think when we talk about vision, we, we typically use the word vision to refer to sight or the ability to see what's there, right? When we say, you know, do you, you know, when we talk about vision, how's your vision? Well, it's the ability to see. And sometimes we try to improve our vision by putting on glasses or wearing contacts. We go to the ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist. We go to all the homologists. So we can see as well as we possibly can. So it's the ability to see what's there. But there's, biblically speaking, and in a kingdom sense, there's another sense for vision. And this, is, this other sense for vision is, is what the word of God this morning is talking about. This, uh, in a kingdom sense, in this passage, in the, the context of this passage, um, this is talking about not just the ability to see what's there, but this is talking about the sense of vision, not just the ability to see what's there, but also the ability to see what could be there. What is not there now, but could be there. So someone who operates in, in vision, according to Proverbs 29, or in a prophetic vision, we'll get to what prophetic vision, the significance of that, because that is extremely significant. But when we're talking about in a kingdom sense, when we're talking about vision, it's not someone that says, hey, I see something that is already there and then calling it out. That is not vision. Vision, biblically speaking, is seeing something that's not there, but God wants there and speaking to it before it is. That's vision. Not just the ability to see what is already present, but the ability to see what's on God's heart and what God wants to release into your life or the world or a church. Hello. Right? So vision is partly, listen, partly seeing potential, 
But this is, this is really great. This is for, for all of you people that see, that see problems and you're just, you know, you're negative. All right, I want to speak some hope into your life. Part of being a visionary is, is seeing potential. Man, that person has potential. That has, this church has potential. Do you know what we could do in Spring Grove? Do you know what we could do in Hanover? Do you know what we could do in the region? Do you know what we, how we could touch the ends of the earth for the glory of Jesus? Do you know? So seeing potential, that is partly it. But mostly it's seeing a problem. Negative people, negative people, have massive potential to be visionaries in the kingdom, all right? If you consider yourself a negative person, you're always talking about what's the, the worst thing that's going to happen. What if God has actually wired you to see problems that you want to speak vision into and the enemy's just trying to keep you as a downer to society because that's what you are, all right? You're just always talking about problems. Man, you're a downer. You, you know what you could be? Let me speak as a visionary. You could be a prophetic visionary in your day and your generation. All right? Visionaries are those who refuse to adopt a future where problems get the loudest voice. You hear this? Visionaries are those who refuse to adopt a future where problems get the loudest voice and get the greatest influence. Visionaries say, man, that problem is not going to succeed in stealing the joy and in stealing the courage of the people that I love, of the things that God wants to do in the earth. The, the problems are not going to get the loudest voice. The problems are not going to get the greatest press. The problems are not going to have the most powerful influence in my heart or in others. And visionaries see those things and then begin to speak into what other people just can't see. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever built anything, if you're a, a carpenter, sometimes you can, you can walk through a home and you can share with the people who you're building the house for all the plans, but, and they don't really like it until you flesh it out and they see it, then, they, then they're like, well, why didn't you tell me? And the problem was, was not that you didn't tell them, the problem was they couldn't see it. Uh, visionaries have to be people who can see it and then be encouraged in the Lord enough to walk it out until the other, other people do. And it is a huge call on certain people uh, to, to be a visionary, to actually see. Um, really great pr uh, vision is just an answer to a really bad problem. Uh, some leaders say, and I agree with that. And all throughout people, uh, all throughout history, people have had visions, and mostly people's vision, uh, when we get outside of the scriptures, but you even find it in the scriptures, uh, often people's vision made things worse, okay, Be out of selfishness. So just because someone has a vision doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't mean anything. It could mean something bad. You, we could go from bad to worse here if the visionary is selfish at heart, but it's prophetic vision that the Bible is very clear on. Where there is no prophetic vision, it's not just where there is no vision. We don't need people just dreaming their own dreams, singing their own songs, doing their own things, living life however is right in their own eyes. That is not what we need more of. I think there's enough of that. We can all see it. What we need is prophetic vision. Prophetic vision is when we get a, a picture or a glimpse of how God sees things. And when you begin to line your heart up with his sight, God, how do you see this? It's not just, if, 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 do I see a problem or am I just bothered? The question is, is God bothered? The question is, does, am I seeing like he does? 
often, if we're just bothered by things that we see, it actually shows the selfishness and the sinfulness of our own hearts, and we need some heart work first. But it's visionaries that have a pure enough heart that they have, they've sacrificed their own, their own stuff at the cross, and they're like, now I want Jesus' eyes. I want to see in the earth what Jesus wants to do in the earth. It's a privilege to see uh, how God sees, is it not? And when we get to encounter what's on his heart, um, that is where the real kingdom advancement can come. So that is a prophetic vision. I think, I think a prophetic vision meaning it's from God, it's not from you, it's from God. And God is saying, see how I see. See in the earth how I see in the earth. Dream in the earth how I dream in the earth. Not just in the earth, though, in your own life. You can get a prophetic vision for what seems like a small thing that, that could have cataclysmic uh, impact in the earth. It's just, God, I receive what you are doing. Now, um, how these things come, man, that's up to God's various creative means. You can have a dream in the night that's a prophetic vision. All right? Sometimes you have a, a dream in the night and you're like, you're like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I must have eaten pizza. No. You have to learn how to recognize what God is doing. You want to, you guys, you want to hear something really crazy? Do you remember years ago the, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing? Remember that? I'm just going to tell you this. Uh, I was, the, the morning of the Boston Marathon bombing, I don't know, four or five in the morning, I had a dream that I'm sitting on a hill, I'm looking over a city, I don't know what the city is, okay? Um, suddenly I see in the top left corner of my frame, in my dream, I see the word Boston scrolling. So in my dream, I know that I'm looking at Boston, and I see a bomb go off. It woke me up and startled me so much. It's about five in the morning that I took my life into my own hands and I woke my wife up, all right? <laughs> and I said, man, I said, I just had this dream that I, I saw this bomb go off in Boston. I, I'm like, I, 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 I gotta get up. I gotta pray. I don't know what this means. Well, later that day, just a few hour later, hours later was the Boston Marathon bombing, all right? I don't know what that means for me, but I think what God is trying to do is saying, hey, I want to talk to you in dreams. I want to give you prophetic visions. You need to start being ready for them, all right? Or a prophetic vision could come in the form of a daydream. You just get a picture of something. It stirs your heart and your soul. You're like, wow, I can't stop thinking about that. I would say, hey, run that through your mentors. Run that through the scriptures, all right? Nothing God gives you is going to contradict what he's already given, all right, in this word, all right? Run that through. Maybe it's going to be a word. Maybe it's going to be a conviction. Maybe it's going to be something on your heart, and somebody just walks up to you and says the thing as a word of confirmation. Listen, it gets wild and crazy. I'm just saying, if you want to partner your heart with God's and you want to be a, a visionary in this day, seeing how God sees in the earth, you got to be open to how he wants to communicate these things. So in God's creative way, he communicates his heart for a situation. Now, we see this all throughout scripture. You see Nehemiah, for instance. Um, he heard of the suffering of his people in Jerusalem. Even though he was in exile and a slave, he began to partner his heart with the solution instead of just turning into a complainer. And he actually got released to go rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Man, that is, I would say that is an example of a prophetic vision. Or you take Paul and the book of Acts. Um, listen to this. This is, this is Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. Okay? Listen to this. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to 
Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. All right, man, I should have studied my geography uh, before I read this aloud. But, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's interesting. Listen to this. Look at verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. All right? So I don't believe anymore that God can speak to you at night. <laughs> Wait, hold on, because I thought I just read it. Uh, and here you are thinking you're standing for the word of God, but you are completely not. Okay, well, hold on a second. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So there was the, the prophetic vision that came at nighttime, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul knew that he was a Macedonian. Okay, look at verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he, uh, well, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding, all right, so here's what that meant. Here's what we concluded, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so here are some examples that as, as God pours out, he's like, hey, it is not well in Macedonia, Paul. I'm coming at you at night. Here's a, here's a vision. I want you to go there. All right, or Nehemiah, his heart gets hurt. He begins to weep over the people of Jerusalem. He gets released to go do that. There are uh, examples and examples and examples. But, when, but what this passage says, though, that where there is no prophetic vision, here's what happens. When a group of people say, God doesn't work like that anymore. When, when, when people aren't even looking for how God sees in the earth. When people aren't even looking for how, how God sees them in the earth. When people aren't even looking for that, they're just looking for all the problems that they can point out, all right? So the problem is there, just not the solution anymore. There's a prophetic vision. There's, there's people that have the potential and the capacity to be prophetic visionaries, but right now all they are are, are problem people. What happens then is people cast off restraint or people wander astray. The King James says people actually perish. Or if you read in the footnotes in the ESV, this, this can also be translated, people just become discouraged. How, how does God want to encourage people? Well, he wants people to be conduits of how he sees things in their lives. That's how. When you take that gift out, when you take that capacity out, you're actually bringing damage to what you're trying to protect and encourage. It's a very discouraging culture when that is not allowed. So the main idea here is when no one is walking out God's dream on the earth, it is not good for anybody. That's the Nathan Herndon translation. When nobody is walking out God's dream on the earth, nobody gets blessed. It is not good for anybody. And in fact, I would say people suffer. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. For time's sake, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but the world had gone crazy. And, uh, and, and there's, there's this sense that, well, I'm going to go there. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, the world had gone crazy. And here's what, here's what happens. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vi vision. All right? So I think that you have to connect the dots here and you say, man, the, the word of the Lord, the, the, the visions from God are not being released and there's a direct correlation to how it is going with the people. The people are not doing well. I think they're not being encouraged by God's heart and God's dream over their life in their day. You see what I just did there? 
I don't know if you agree or not, but I really believe that there, there is, there's a correlation uh, between the two. So I would say this, that the, the church should not be quick to shame, but desperate to dream with God. A problem people just try to make you feel bad enough to change. All right? That is actually biblically not how a person changes. You can't just feel bad enough to change. You need an otherworldly outside power that you do not possess on your own. All right? And so the church should not just be quick to shame and make you feel bad enough. All right? What the church needs to do is be desperate to dream with God. What this person needs to hear. I know they're going through a hard time. I, I, I want to be desperate for their heart and their soul and their situation. And they've got to know how God feels about what they're going through in this exact moment. All right? So sh shame just says what's wrong. And what, what, here's the thing. Here's the weird thing, though. Here's the, the, the perverted twist on this whole thing. All right? What's wrong can actually be a comfortable place. People, people love, you know, you can sit around and talk with your homies about what's wrong with America, what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with politics, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with that, what's wrong with, you know, the flat earthers, what's wrong with, you know, you fill in the, the stinking blank. It's a comfortable place just to constantly talk about what's wrong. What we need to know is I think humanity can tell something's wrong. What we need is how does God feel about this and some crazy wild ones to agree with God's heart and what he wants to do in the earth. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're at the spot in your life where you're too tired to dream with God anymore and you'd, really, uh, you'd rather make people feel bad and be ashamed. I want to call you out of that. While there's still oxygen in your lungs, you can dream with God, all right? I, I, I want to call the church back to that. Maybe you're not a dreamer. Then I would just encourage you to get behind a dreamer and start doing this to him. Come on. We need the dreams that God's giving you. Come on, we can do this. How can I help? Instead of that, that sounds to a million dollars in one week. I, I, I would like to dream with God on that one. All right. So prophetic vision says we're not staying here. All right. I've seen, I've felt, I've sensed what God wants to do in the earth. In your situation, in my situation, your heart and my heart. And uh, I... Uh, I'm not just going to feel bad about it. What if we did something with God? All right. What if we did something with God? What if my disbelief in anything supernatural, even though it's an attempt to be biblical, isn't biblical? What, what if I was wrong? And what if God dreams in hearts today from years ago that maybe somebody told you or maybe you told yourself, take, you know, just get that out of your heart. That's you just being young. That's you being naive. That's you just being crazy. That's when you used to be a Pentecostal. Now you're discipled and now you know that God doesn't do things like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've heard that so much. And what happens is when you take the supernatural out of Christianity, first of all, how do you expect to be saved to begin with if you don't believe in the supernatural? <laughs> right? Like, come on. Oh, you're going to just access, like, forgiveness and complete restoration with God? Not supernaturally? <laughs> in the flesh? Uh, that's, you, you know what that's called biblically, right? 
So what if God loves to do things like pour out his dreams in the earth for the future that God has for us? So I, I want to talk about, in, the, in my last seven minutes here, I want to talk about the overarching vision that God has given to Providence as a house. And, I, and unless this is one of your first Sundays, I think most of us know that if we have one thing that we bleed here, if we, have, if we have one vision over the whole thing, all right, that covers, that, that, that spans the whole gap, that we want to be a Jesus church. That's what it is. And being a Jesus church just doesn't mean that we, we want to do the things that Jesus did, but it means that we want to know and treasure and love and trust this man that has captured our hearts. If it means selling everything we've got, we'll do it. Not to get saved, but, but uh, for his sake and his glory, anything. Jesus, we just want to be yours. Uh, a, church that, a Jesus church belongs to Jesus. Listen to this. Revelations 5, 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and opens its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. You were bought for God. Not that he needs you. Listen. He doesn't need you to be a dancer. He doesn't need you to be a minstrel. He doesn't need you to be a cupbearer, all right? He, when the Bible says that you were ransomed for him, li listen to this, just write this over your soul. You are wanted by God. You are wanted by God. That's what that means. So you were ransomed, bought, purchased with the most precious price, that's the blood of Jesus, for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. So here's, here's the natural result of that truth. Glorify God in your body. He's better than everything else. Your body was actually made for him. Not, it was not made to be distracted by the small things in the margin, you see. All right? So, so a Jesus church belongs to Jesus. It treasures Jesus. It glorifies Jesus. It follows Jesus. Mary is one of my favorite visionaries. You know, Mary from Matthew chapter 26. You know, the Mary that took her, her family heirloom those worth a, a good zillion dollars and just dumped it on Jesus. You know that Mary? I love her dream. Here it is. I have a dream. Here's what I wrote. Here's Mary's dream. Mary's dream here. I'm going to march myself uninvited into a male-dominated environment of religious elites and ruin my already sketchy reputation by pouring out all I own, using my most valuable possession of perfume, my family heirloom, and just wasting it on Jesus' feet. This is my vision, prophetically received from the Lord. And then I'm going to make everybody feel more uncomfortable by crying over Jesus, letting my hair down, wiping his dirty feet with my tears and hair. And do you know what this prophetic vision will do? It will declare Jesus is better than finances and the security that I may have had with this little bottle of stuff. He is better than my reputation. I'd rather love Jesus than be respected by his disciples any day. Man, now that's a vision I can get behind. I'd love to follow that lady. Man, we're going to go in. We're just going to, we're just going to, ruin our reputations and just live and worship at Jesus' feet. Man, want to do that. Now, that's a vision. I want, to, I want to tell you guys, being a Jesus church is not easy, uh, easy but it is glorious. I mean, it's not going to mean we get to keep our reputation. It might mean that we get, have to lose it. It might mean that, man, we might get a million-dollar offering next week, 
And we're not going to say, well, you know, since so much came in, I guess maybe. We're going to say, man, how do we turn this into perfume and oil and cry over Jesus with this? How do we send this to the nations if he's entrusted this with us? We want to do it. We're not doing this for money or fame. We're doing this for him. Listen, our vision is we're a Jesus church. And I believe that God looks in the earth and says, you know what I want to pour out on the earth? Wild ones. Jesus churches, people that do things counterculture, people that are so crazy that they waste their lives on me. Now that is my vision in the earth. That's how I want to operate. And so, so I want to share with you guys, just in my last few moments here, and I want you to start praying right now, what are visions that you've actually removed from your heart, thinking that they're just too much for God, all right? You've, or maybe you've shelved them, and you just put them on the shelf, and you haven't, you haven't aligned your heart with God. I want you to be thinking about that right now. In fact, Holy Spirit, remind us of things that have gone dormant, that we haven't even thought about for 11 years, right? And bring them back to the surface if it means glorifying you. But I want to tell you, 2024, some of the visions that God's put in my heart, uh, specifically for 2024, um, and these aren't going to stop as soon as it turns 2025, if Jesus you know, doesn't, we might not get to 2025. You guys know that? Jesus might return before then. You, got, you guys got that, right? We have to live like that. My dad always said, live as though Christ died yesterday, rose to get today, is coming tomorrow. Like, we don't know how much time, all right? But I want to tell you, if God gives us all of 2024, here's a few things, not all the things, not all the things, but here's a few things on my heart. The word that I feel like God gave me uh, for this year was resource. God wants to resource the church and community. I think there's so many people that you want to read the Bible, you just don't know how. It's not a normal book. You don't start in the front and read to the back. It's actually 66 different books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. There's every form of literature in this book. And listen to this. Here's the kicker. It's alive. It'll bite you. It'll bite you. and It'll, it'll, it'll step on your toes. It'll mess up your whole life in the most glorious way. All right, you don't just read it from cover to cover. You can't. All right, but I think when we're talking about resourcing, we're resourcing. I, I, I want to do every single thing that I can to provide every single person that wants Him the necessary stuff, studies, tools. What do we need to put our roots down into Jesus? And so, as the world may get worse, we don't. Our roots, roots are deep on down there. Man, we shine like stars in a dark day. Right, And so I want to see the church resourced, and I want to see the community resourced. I don't just want to take care of our own. I want to take care of the people that, that are hopeless without Christ in the world right on our street that passes every day. All right. So the first way that we're going to start doing this is we're going to resource this generation. I've already talked to you about that, that we believe that God has dreams in his heart for this generation. We've started an emerging, emerging uh, generation department led by Pastor Philip. A portion of Generosity Sunday will go to this department. Um, but if you don't know, since we've moved into this facility, um, we have outgrown our children's wing. There's the, the, we've actually had to have this conversation. Do we need to turn families away? Because we, we have blown out all the space. And we don't want families, new or old to Providence, 
to come up to, uh, you know, where their kid is supposed to be learning about Jesus and uh, it just be a chaotic zoo in there, all right? Part of it is a space problem. So we want to fix the space problem, and we are hard at work on that. Uh, do you also know that our youth ministry and our children's ministry share the same space? Right across the foyer here, that big room that can't really belong to anybody. It just has to be a big room of, you know, just, you know, just generalness, all right? Because everybody uses it. What we want to do this year is we want to get kids their own space, we want to get youth their own space, and we want, in so doing, we want to communicate to them, you guys matter, and we see you like God does, all right? And we think that we can do this just by reworking the space that we have in, in, the, in our footprint. We don't feel like we have to do an addition yet, but I hope we have to do an addition way sooner than any of us want to, all right? I hope so. See, these are, there's good problems when you're a church that's alive, all right? And one of the good problems is, man, we're reaching more people than we ever th thought possible. So we don't have enough parking. We don't have enough spaces. We don't have enough classrooms. We have to turn people. See, those are the good problems that the church should have, and I hope that we have them. But right now, we want to do this. We want to say, we want to do our best with what we have now to accommodate what God's doing in the earth, especially when it comes to our young people, right? And then we also want to uh, create discipleship resources. Here's some resource. You resources that are going to be uh, popping up this year. Jesus School. Jesus School. I'm going to devote a whole Sunday morning to just talking on Jesus School and what that will be, but we piloted in 23 Wednesday nights trying to figure out, do we just do a, a different service? Do, what, what do we need to do on Wednesday nights? And what we've decided is that we just need to teach people the Word of God to know God more, and then we need to activate people, teaching them how to do what the Word of God says. So it says spirit and word, word and spirit, all right? Kind of, we're calling it Jesus School. We're not locked in on that terminology, but it's going to be training. It's going to be good, and we're going to go deep. And I believe that it is going to serve to resource us in ways that we never imagined. Sunday sessions. Sunday sessions are the, the 9 o'clock hour before Sunday morning services, about 9 to 9.45 in our prayer room. We are going to just turn Sunday sessions into basically three different classes that are just going to rotate throughout the year. One class is going to be a Welcome to Providence class, and that's going to be just a few weeks learning about the origins of Providence. You, your, your origins matter, Okay. Where you come from matters. Like your family history, that matters, all right? And we have a history at Providence. We want you to know it, and we want you to know our heartbeat and stuff and, and who we are. We don't want to play tug of war with you. If you're coming with an agenda, and you're trying to make this church like your last one or something, like we just want to let you know, yeah, that's not going to happen here, but we love you. If you can get over yourself, we'd love to have you. Even if you can't, uh, we'd still love to have you. You might need a spanking or something, but we, we will, uh, we're, we're going to, um, you know, we, we'd still like to walk with you, all right? But then we're going to have a Welcome to Jesus class, a few weeks. Just, I, I believe that we're going to have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens, and did I say dozens? Of people, turning into hundreds of people that are getting saved this year. And so this is going to be a place, uh, just a few-week class, just to give people the essentials, get all the resources in their hand, just get them going in Jesus, and then turn them loose, okay? And then we're going to have coffee and questions. It's going to be a, a Q&A time. Just listen, I think that something's on Q&A for this year, and I think that there's questions in your heart that you need to ask that are going to benefit others, all right? So I, I, we're going to do coffee and questions this year, too. And so that's going to be Sunday, uh, Sunday sessions. I believe it's going to be a resource to the church. We're going to revitalize our resource center out here. Right now, there's a massive plant there and some nice little things. You get some books here. And we're actually going to have intentionality. So if we're doing a Sunday morning uh, series, we're going to have books 
that, that go along with the series that we're talking on in here that you can get out there. And we're going to make it as absolutely cheap as possible. Same thing with Jesus School. Any book that you need for Jesus, you can get it out there. If there's anything else on our heart, you can, you can get it out there. So that's going to be really great. Podcast development. That's one thing that we're doing this year. We're gonna, we've got so, many, uh, so much wisdom around. We actually want to start a podcast, start small, all right, but begin to encourage your hearts with great conversations. Increased p- uh, prayer, culture class. Those are all things that are going to be coming here soon. But let me talk about the community and then be done. Um, as, as far as how we're going to resource the community, the first thing I want to do is I want to resource the community with hospitality. I believe that hospitality is going to be used in our evangelism this year where we just tell people that are used to being judged by the church, no, no, we actually like how weird you are. You're actually welcome here with all of your mess. You don't have to clean up to come to this family. You don't have to clean up to come in this house. You don't have to take your shoes off. You don't have to dress a certain way. All the stuff that you've heard that was the enemy trying to keep you from your destiny, you can come as you are, and Jesus can meet you right there. All right? So we've got to get better at hosting hosting the community. And one of the ways that uh, we host the community is our fireworks. All right? It costs $15,000 to do fireworks the way that we do them. All right? Last year, one family donated to that. The year before, we paid, lots of donations came in. Last year, one family donated uh, uh, to that. And this year, I hope that we can, we can you know, change the script on that a little bit and jump in on the importance of our fireworks, all right? The reason we don't do fireworks that cost $2,000 is because 2,000 people won't come to see $2,000 fireworks. You can buy that, you know, in a back alley in Hanover, all right? That's nice, easy. Anybody can do that, you know. Uncle Jimmy is down the street doing $2,000 fireworks, all right? We want to do $15,000 fireworks at least, all right? Because people will come out to see that. And we want the privilege and opportunity for them to step foot on this property that we've been praying over for years and say, man, you're so welcome here. Can I buy you a hot dog? Look at these fireworks. You know what? Jesus is better than that. I like that one. I just want us to grow in relationship with Spring Grove and York and Hanover area. I want us to, if we're going to fail on one side, I don't want to fail being cheap. I want to feel like putting it all on the line, saying, what can we do to bless these people, all right? We're going to finalize a land development plan. God's given us 72 acres of land, and I don't think he just wants us to look at it. We need a plan, but we can't build like a quilt, like a little bit here, and we'll kind of tie that together, kind of make it work. We need a good plan, all right? And so we're working on that. But here's, here's the last one I'm going to say is community groups. We have 17 different community groups at Providence. Bible studies, that's a banner. Uh, community groups is, is a banner statement for all the different groups that meet outside of a Sunday morning. And we have 17. If the average number of people in a community group is 10, and we have 17 groups, that means that we have less than 200 spots for people to connect outside of a Sunday morning. Well, the church, about 800 people call Providence home, and that's not including our online community, okay? So that's just not enough. So by this time next year, I would like at least 40 groups to be raging and crazy, all right? And we're going to be talking about what community groups look like, because you don't have to be a teacher to be in a community group. And in fact, I would rather you not be. I don't want teachers in community groups. I want teachers in Jesus school, all right? I want hospitality people that love to serve great food and love to open their homes and make people feel like family running our groups. We're going to be talking about that. Those are some, I think, prophetic visions that God's given me for this year. And I think this time next year, we're going to know Jesus more and we're going to have a lot more friends. All right.
and we're going to have a million-dollar Generosity Sunday offering, and we're going to have lots of testimonies, all right? So, uh, so just right now, I just want to close this way. Uh, I want you to take God dreams, visions that God's given you. Maybe I want to speak to people that are just too tired to dream anymore, too disappointed to dream anymore. Maybe you tried and you failed. But listen, God dreams don't happen on the first time, I can tell you that. You have to devote your life to going after God's dream over your life. And that you just have to say, I'm getting up today and I'm running hard after the dream of God in my life. Listen, not everybody's a visionary, all right? But, I, but everybody should be encouraged from the inside out. And some of you, some of you, you need to say, God, you've made me a dreamer, but I've just decided to be a problem person and go dormant making fun of the world, trying to make people feel bad. And then today, like some of you, it's just maybe God's calling you out again. You're a dreamer. You've got God dreams. We don't need to see how you see. We need you to show us how God does. And now today is a day where you just say, you know what? I'm going to re-embrace the call in my life to be a dreamer. And other people, we're going to be a safe place for dreamers to dream. We're not going to make fun of them. We're going to say, hey, if, that, if God's on that, I'm going to help you with my finances. I'm going to help you with my time. I'm going to help you with my encouragement. All right, this is, man, if if we were this kind of church, the world would be changed. I I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, and God's making us more of this. That is my dream. I want to be like a Mary church. I want to be a Jesus church. I want to pour all that we've got out on Jesus' feet, and it's going to be a wild ride. Not easy, but glorious. Amen. Can we just stand to our feet for a second? Heavenly Father, I just pray over, over people that you've given dreams to that you would that, that you would re-encourage their dreams, that we would, that, uh, we would be a, a house, a church that would embrace them and, that, and help them walk in them. I pray that we would be an encouraged people. I pray that we would be a people that, see, that uh, sees the resources of heaven poured out on, on this church and on this community, God. And we pray that you would do great, marvelous, and mighty things, greater than anything we could ask or imagine. And we just bless you today, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that if you need to do healing in a heart to get to the dreams that, you, that, that are shelved in there, that are dormant in there, do whatever you need to do, God. But I just pray that you begin to activate dreamers again. I pray that you take all the pressure off for people who just, they're, they're not necessarily dreamers. That's it, man. You've got something else on their life. They, they, they're an encourager of a dreamer. There's something else. But God, I just pray, but specifically this morning, that dreamers would dream God dreams, that dreamers would stop uh, settling for the safety of just pointing out problems, and that dreamers would arise that would be solution-oriented people that want to be a conduit of how you see the earth on the earth, God, in their family, in their school, in their, uh, in their friend group, God. I just pray. I just bless every person here. I encourage them now in the Lord, and I just pray that we would be a Jesus church that, like Mary, just says, man, I've got a great dream. It's crazy. It may not be welcomed, but I'm going to pour out all I've got on Jesus. That's how we want to be, God. We just bless you, and I just thank you for this church and these people and this body of people, and I just pray your very best for every single individual here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.